Well, good morning. My name's Tom. What's yours? Hi. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Sounds like uh, all the um, seagulls on Finding Nemo. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Mine, mine, mine. Come on, anybody else remember that movie? Finding Nemo. We got kids in this house, right? It's kind of a classic, isn't it? Um, yep, it's a good one. So. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Well, okay, it's been a minute since I've shared in the Word, and God's put some stuff on our hearts for um, <coughs> last several weeks. Sorry, I might pop a halls in my mouth. I have a sore throat, so if I if I have noisiness, I apologize. Um, last several weeks, Eric and I have been discussing what we feel on the Lord wants to do this year and what he, where he wants to take us this year. And, um, and as we've talked with other leaders here in the house and um, prophetic team and others, we've had praying and seeking the Lord. We feel like we have some, some good direction on a couple of things. Um, if you remember last year, um, we said that we as a church were going to go after family, all right, yep. and what that looks like. And we shared a lot of different messages about caring and sharing and, um, you know, about how we as a spiritual family must be devoted to the four cores of the church. Anybody remember what those four essentials are, right? Uh, as a spiritual family, we've got to be devoted to those things. And they were communion, fellowship, prayer, and the apostles' teaching. These were the four core devotions that the first family of God under the new covenant were devoted to. And then we, as also a part of that ongoing family, are to devote ourselves to that. And when we devote ourselves as a family of faith to those four essentials, God gives birth to more and more spiritual babies. It's revival. Well, this year, um, we feel like we need to go further on that message of family, and specifically, we're going to, um, among a lot of things, obviously 12 months is a long time, and we got a lot of, a lot of messages to share through the, this year, but um, we're going we're gonna to hone in on natural families this year, and talk about um, marriage, talk about parenting, how do we, how do we lead our families first? You know, we can't lead a revival in this building, in this city, if we're not leading at home. It's just not going to happen. Not that God wants it, because he wants it worse than we want anything. But we can't live two lives where we come to church and we raise our hands, and then at home we never worship. We can't come here and quote Bible verses, and then at home we never talk about the Word of God. We can't use Sunday morning as the only opportunity that we get all of our fellowship in. The only time we meet with God's people, we, we get encouraged, we connect with people, and never do it at home. And so this year, we we're, we're going to drill down on, on our natural families, as well as we're going to be talking about spiritual families some more. We're going to be talking about raising up the next generation to actually be radical. 
actually be passionate, not just sit in the back or on the side on their phone while the message goes on, but be really radical, really passionate, really aggressive in their love for God and people. We're going to talk about spiritual parenting this year. Not just natural parenting, which is essential, but we're going to talk about spiritual parenting and how necessary that is. You know, after last week we had Tony Costa here. You know, who all was here for that? Tony Costa? After listening to what he prophesied and spoke over our church, you know, we believe the Lord is really confirming this message of family. And we need to preach and teach on family more this year. And so today I'm going to start a series about growing in sonship. We're going to talk about growing in sonship. And when it comes to living in kingdom, in, in the kingdom of heaven, identity is probably the single greatest revelation that we need to have in order to be all that God wants us to be and to have all that God wants us to have. I find that identity is what holds us back or it propels us forward. It makes us or breaks us. And just to be clear, uh, in the culture we're in, it's very disgusting how PC it is. And so... I realize that we all have that filter, and it's, it's, we bathe in this all the time online. And so I need to make a disclaimer. So that as I talk about growing in sonship, I'm talking about both men and women growing in this identity. If I, as a man, must grow in my identity as the bride of Christ, <laughs> well, ladies, guess what? You get to grow in your identity in sonship. And let me, again, the bridal paradigm, sonship, these are principles that speak about how we relate to God and how we live as people. They have nothing to do with gender or sexuality. Are we clear? Disclaimer made. No snowflakes are going to be offended if I don't keep saying daughtership, daughtership, daughtership. (laughs) If you're offended, I don't care. (laughs) No, I do. But just don't tell me about it, because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have, I'm not gonna be able to help you. So, um, and so I, I, I want to put that out there. I also want to say to our youth, our teens, our young adults, this message I'm going to preach is not over your head. Okay, this message is not too far beyond you. This isn't something that you can wait to get to until you're an adult and you're messing up your life. Listen to Shelley, our next-gen pastor. Please don't do that. This is something each and every person, young or old, must have. And if you're a teen and you can start to understand your sonship, your identity as a child of God, if you can start getting that now, you can save yourself a whole bunch of trouble. So please don't check out, please don't get on your phone, please don't check Instasham or Facepuke or Snapcrap or Twister, whatever your favorite time waster is. Don't do it now. 
Just don't. Parents, help me out. Watch your kids. Please don't let them just sit around bored to death. Help them to engage. And also, as another disclaimer, a few resources that I'm going to be using as I teach this. Um, of course, we're going to be looking at the Bible and what the Bible has to say, but I'm also going to be pulling heavily from a couple of books. Um, one is called Experiencing the Father's Embrace by Jack Frost, and the other is Spiritual Slavery to Sonship. These are both amazing books written by Jack Frost, and so if you want to know what I know, Get these books. You can get them in audio form, I think, and listen to them. Um, if you want to see what I see, I highly recommend that you get these two because I'm going to use, I'm going to draw from these resources as well as the Word of God because I myself, I am still growing in my revelation of sonship. I haven't arrived. There's garbage and stuff in my life that I am still working through to get my identity right. And so I'm going to lean on others who've gone before us, gone ahead, and really carry this message well to help bring this message to us. Is everybody clear? All right, so today I'm going to begin to talk about growing in sonship, specifically the revelation of the Father's love. And we've been singing about it this morning. We've been talking about it. I think it's appropriate. God's been prophesying it over us. We need to drill down on this thing of the Father's love. And you know, there's a lot of people um, that think sadly, that think they can live without love. Don't need it. Some people feel that People are a source of pain. And so they have vowed to keep people at a distance. Others have chosen to live in numbness. I'm just not going to feel anything. I'm not going to feel any emotion. I'm not going to feel warmth, no passion. Doing that and believing that if they don't feel, then guess what? I can't get hurt again. And others may feel that affection or tenderness are signs of weakness. Well, these beliefs can and many times do result in a life of independence, self-reliance, isolation, detachment. And if we live in independence or self-reliance, then the way we end up trying to muddle through love, especially in our families, if if we live in this place of independence and self-reliance, and the way we, we muddle through love with our family is that we show love to our families through teaching our families to survive, to be strong, to be tough. And ultimately, there becomes little warmth in the family. Very little understanding. Compassion doesn't show up much. Grace. It becomes then, at this point, 
is I'm teaching my kids to be independent, self-reliant, tough and strong, and I'm not showing compassion, I'm not showing grace, I'm not showing mercy or love, then guess what? All of the needs for people in my family, their needs for intimacy and love go unmet. See, the problem is, is that if we do not realize our desperate need for something, then we are less likely to pursue it and to obtain it. And one of our greatest weaknesses is in our inability to admit and know how needy we really are. And if you don't know how needy you are, just ask me. I will tell you <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 100 where you're at. No, I won't do that. Pastor Eric will. <laughs> He'll do it with a hug and a leg wrap. And you'll feel good. You'll feel great. But that's one of our greatest weaknesses is that we don't know, uh, we don't admit and know how needy we really are. And unconsciously, uh, you know, to acknowledge our need for someone means that we end up, and this is what we believe, again, unconsciously or subconsciously, whichever it is, that when we admit that we have our need for someone, that means we're, we end up, we're giving our power away. We feel weak and vulnerable. And if I admit that I need your love, then you can hurt me. And again, maybe this isn't touching you because you're in Numville right now. You're like, mm, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> you might be shut down. And so many of us don't acknowledge our need for intimacy with another person. And then when we come to Christ, we often feel like our walk is more about duty and discipline than love and intimacy. And again, this is easily best demonstrated in our family relationships. You see, however you think that God feels about you is the way that you treat others. Let that sink in for just a minute. However you think that God feels about you is the way you are treating others. I had a, a sister in the Lord ask a question a few days ago, and she asked, why do so many women have bad relationships with each other? Great question. I'll ask this question. Why do so many men not make time for friendship and connection? Encouragement. See, so many people in the body of Christ do not know how to enter into right relationship. And somehow we have completely missed the core of what God sent his son to die for. God is love. And he wants us restored to his love. Jeremiah 31 Verse 3 says, the Lord appeared to him from far away. And, and this is the Lord speaking. He says, 
I have loved you with an everlasting love. That means it didn't have a beginning and it ain't never going to have an end. Everlasting. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. God has loved you forever and will continue loving us forever. Matthew 23, verse 20 or 37. This is Jesus talking. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as hens gathered her brood under her wings? But you were not willing. And Jesus was weeping when he was saying this because of the love that he had. Jesus said he longed to gather us to himself like a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. These are real statements made by our real God. And so we have to allow we cannot allow any longer the, the excuse of our past hurts or abuse to cause us to <coughs> miss out on the joy, the joy of deep, intimate communion in our relationships. In, in this season of church history, Father God is revealing himself. He is revealing himself as unconditional love. And, it, and it's to be touching the deepest places in our souls and filling our hearts with acceptance. So that it overflows to everyone I mean, we see this in Matthew 22. They said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. Everything in the entire word of God comes down to our ability to receive God's love and give it away. Everything you think is important in this life, everything, even the holy spiritual stuff we do in this building once a week, it all comes down to your ability to receive love and give it away. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, 
And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Nothing. New Covenant has been good at a lot of stuff. Training, equipping, teaching. But how are we with love? How are you with love? You may have a great job in this building on Sunday morning, prophesying, laying hands on sick people, helping kids learn, counting money. Those are wonderful things, and we need all of it. But when you go home today, how well are you going to love? So what you do with love today is either going to go to the chalkboard that's got all these great things you just did this morning. I prayed for this person. They got healed. But if you go home and you're not loving well, or you go to work on Monday morning and you don't love well, just erase it. Just go ahead and erase that off the board. If you can't talk to your coworkers and love them, your employees, and love them. See, intimacy should come naturally to us because we are created by God's love. You know, sometimes people will give up and sacrifice so much to do the work of the Lord. So much. A lot of people in here have given so much to sacrifice for the work of God in this house and in our city. But yet, at home, those same people, so many of us who've worked so hard, we're at home, we're not comfortable with love. We have difficulty with intimacy. 1 John 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another. Let's say that together. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And then verse 12 says, If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Verse 16, So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. Who can say this? We know it and we believe it. This love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. In verse 19, we love because why? He loved first. Notice that this does not say that God abides with the person who prophesies a lot. 
doesn't say he, he abides with the person who heals the sick or preaches eloquently or listens to a lot of podcasts. Doesn't say that God abides with a person who even prays faithfully every day or knows how to cast out demons or win souls for Christ. Doesn't say any of that. It says that God abides with a person who is at home with love. You know, another way to think about this word abide a paraphrase of it could mean to be at home with or comfortable with. So another way to say the last half of verse 16 is God is love. And the one who is at home with and comfortable in love is at home with and comfortable with God. And God is at home and comfortable with him. Take a picture if you like that. All right, snap, snap, moving on. So in verse 8, of 1 John, the Greek word for, uh, for know is the word genisko. And it means to know through experience. So another way to read verse 8 is this. Anyone who does not love does not experience Because God is love. See, it is possible to believe that God loves us, but not know experientially the love of God. It's possible. I've lived that way a hundred times, if not a thousand. The way to know if a person knows God is that he or she is comfortable with love. If we're not comfortable with love, we are not comfortable with God. Because God is love. And if you're not comfortable with love, you're probably an insecure person. See, when we aren't comfortable with love, we will look to many other things to meet our needs. Things like work. It's what us guys love to do. Don't like intimacy. Don't like feeling vulnerable in love. So what am I going to do? I'll do what all men do. They go to work and they die. That's how you know I love you. go to work and then one day I die hopefully you had a lot of stuff I bought you a lot of stuff hopefully that helped you feel like I loved you I mean that's how my dad did it 
no affection, no intimacy. Just, I went to work every day. And I loved him for it. And we do love our dads for that. That's not the fullness of love. It's not enough. We look to a lot of different things to fill our needs. Work, ministry, counterfeit affections. See, until we are comfortable with love, all these other things we do will leave us empty. They leave us frustrated. They leave us insecure. Everything we do in the kingdom has to be rooted and grounded in love. See, you can be saved, you can be healed, you can be delivered and filled with the Holy Spirit, and yet you can face fear and loneliness every day of your life. See, a need is something that when it's unmet, it makes us sick. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. When we have a need, whether it's in our marriage, whether it's our children, whether it's through our friendships or our other extended family, and that need goes unmet over and over, we get sick. But when that need gets met, we get well. And it produces growth and it produces maturity. See, he who fears is not perfected in love. But in the Father's presence, there is no love. There is no fear. <laughs> See, I'm still working on my own revelation. I'm sorry, Daddy. We'll work on that later. That was a slip, I guess. In the Father's presence, there is no fear. And if that's the case, dads, how do your kids feel when they're around you? And I'm going to hammer us as fathers, so just, you know, let's just deal with this stuff, okay? Because I really feel like a part of the revival that we're going to miss out on is if dads don't get this. Because I'm sick of men coming to this church bored out of their minds. They're bored with their lives. They're bored with their families. They have no fulfillment in their marriage. They have no fulfillment in their work. They have no fulfillment. Why? Because you don't know what love is. We don't know what love is, and we think if we work our butts off that it's going to fix everything. It's not. You're running away from the problem. Men, let's push into this. Lead your family to God. Lead them to prayer. Lead them to healing. Lead them to talking about the word of God. I know you're tired. I'm tired. We all work hard. I get it. But everything you've done is going to come up and it's going to be burnt to nothing. I worked my butt off, God. Doesn't that count? Well... You did that one little scripture that says, if a man doesn't work, he's worthless. There's your star. 
Now, how did you do with love? Do your kids serve me? Well, no, they were scared to death of me because I was angry all the time. I was afraid to call them to, 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 to conform their lives to Christ. I was scared to death because I didn't want to lose what little love I thought I had from them. We already lost them. Men, we have to press into this. We have to press into the Father's love and quit being hard and calloused, teaching our family just to survive. Your wife is waiting and begging God every day for you to lead. I know it. I know it. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's no fear in that. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, a lot of us, we have a stronghold when it comes to fear and not experiencing the Father's love. And what a stronghold does is a stronghold exalts itself above the knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians 10 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Francis Frangipani says that a stronghold is a fortress of thought. John Sanford says that a stronghold is a habit structure of thinking that is repeated so many times it becomes involuntary and it requires no new decision of mind each time it's repeated. That's a stronghold. Wherever there are fears and insecurities in our lives, it indicates that there are still areas within us, strongholds, that are not subject to the Father's love. And as I stated er earlier, survivors express love to their children by teaching their children to be tough and independent. But if we feel like we fail more than we succeed, eventually we will get discouraged and we quit trying. See, pain, it seeks pleasure if we don't feel like we have a place in the Father's heart. And we will then, when we feel that and we get to that place, then we start seeking all of our counterfeit affections. You know, we shop till we drop. We medicate with marijuana, alcohol, 
We medicate with buying more stuff. Medicate with food, with sex, porn, cars, sports. It's all entertainment. And again, we find it difficult to love because we have believed a lie about God. See, the enemy who is described as the father of lies in John 8, verse 44, the enemy continually lies to us about God's character and his purpose for our lives. Every day. If you think even, even a little bit about what God wants for you, I guarantee you there's a thought in there that says, give it up, forget it, you're dumb, you're worthless, you're not qualified, you can't do it, you're, you don't have what it takes, no one cares, I don't care, do you care, you shouldn't care, your wife doesn't care, pastors don't care, no one cares, forget. I just had that this morning before I got to church. That was my battle. No one cares, Tom. <laughs> they don't care. I know you care, but shut up. I'm teaching right now. <laughs> but that's the lie. None of us are immune to it. You're struggling with it probably every day. And society has incorrectly taught us that we only have a place of value when we outperform everyone else. And the enemy, he's right there telling us that God doesn't love you unless you perform really well. He's not going to love you unless you work really hard. But yet it's at sometimes at the very lowest points of our lives that we actually finally get to experience God's unconditional love. You know, we spend all of our time just trying to hit the ball right. Just to perform. And then we wonder why we don't have any energy left to love well. It's exhausting trying to perfect life. I know. I've given it a really good shot. It's exhausting. And when we're exhausted, we don't have time for love. We've got time for TV, YouTube, face puke. Does it count if I put a heart on that post? Is that love? Love. Love. When we don't have love, we have nothing. And when we, and, and, and then, when we don't have love, and we end up with nothing, then we would require of others to do for us what we feel like we have to do. To earn love. Yep. 
See, if we're uncomfortable with love, others will be uncomfortable with us. And it's because we will be requiring them to perform in order for us to accept them. If we aren't comfortable with love, we will either battle depression all the days of our lives or we will go numb, barely feeling anything at all. And when we go numb, that can cause pain and depression, not just in us, but now it's spilling over into all those we love and live with. And again, men, I'm sorry, but in particular, men, we struggle with intimacy, point blank. We struggle with intimacy. In a lot of ways, we have become numb to love. Many of us have bought into the lie that men don't feel, men don't cry, men don't get in touch with their emotions. <laughs> the bottom line is that many of us men do not really believe that we are called to even be great lovers. I don't even believe we're called to intimacy. Some of us believe that it isn't even masculine to be tender to be loving. See, the, and, and the problem with this ungodly belief is that it completely contradicts the essence of the gospel. The very words of God the Father to His Son, Jesus, were Mark 1, it says, and a voice came from heaven, and this is what God said to, to Jesus. He says, you are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. You know what Jesus had done as far as ministry at this point? Nothing. He was just a boy, just hanging out. Now he's a man in this point, but just a kid, loving, loving life, enjoying his friends, making some great furniture in the family business. Every once in a while, made some wine out in thin air, but, but nothing. He had done nothing to deserve this, this big kudo from heaven. See, God loves us just the way we are. Say that. Say, God loves me just the way I am. God loves me just the way I am. Now look at the most unlovable person near you and say to that person, God loves you the way you are. This is intimacy. You're being honest finally. That's all. I'm just giving you a chance to be. This, it's coming. See, this is a revival waiting to happen right now. I know. You're right. I need love. Oh. See, we were created. We were created for a father's love. Created for it. And when we're not comfortable with love, we do not even see the pain we're causing in each other. We don't see the pain we're causing in our children. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been what? Poured, <coughs> Poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, when we're able to start receiving the Father's love, it begins to meet the deepest needs of our heart. And guess what? It makes us well. 
makes you well. You might be sick in your emotions or sick in your body because you don't have love flowing through it. Then, as we get well, we begin to grow and mature. We grow up. And then eventually, all of our other relationships, guess what? They start changing. They get healed. Like the person I thought I could never talk to ever again, I suddenly have compassion for them. Whew. Before we are ever able to love others the way God wants us to, we must first experience Father God's unconditional love for me. And that's not selfish. That's putting first things first. 1 John 4, 19, again, it says what? We love because he first loved us. See, if we don't believe in God's love for us, we won't be able to achieve true intimacy with anyone. And that's what family's all about. That's what your marriage is all about. Intimacy. That's why you made kids. To be intimate and life with them. No one ever that I know of had a kid and says, I'm going to have this child and I hope to ignore it the rest of its life. No. No, we only do that because we hurt. And we only do that because we're scared. We think we've got some kind of superficial love connection, you know, like I let them have their phone anytime they want and I refuse to take it from them. They'll love me now, won't they? No. You're just a phone whore. That's not apparent. I said it. I'm sorry. That's what happens when you use someone. I've felt used before. I've used others. That's not love. Family is all about love. It's about intimacy. And as we submit ourselves to a lifestyle of love and intimacy, God will be faithfully transforming our hearts. He changes our character. He changes our nature in ways we would never, ever would have imagined. The deepest need in our hearts is for us to know that the Father is looking for us. That he is looking for us and he is smiling. Everyone put a big smile on your face right now. I want to see your teeth. <laughs> Cheese it. Come on. Man, I'm not even kidding. This includes you. 
If you can't even put a smile on your face, guess what? <laughs> Dear God, we're going to have an altar call and you can get saved. <laughs> I swear it. Because your father is smiling at you from heaven. Absolutely is he smiling. In spite of whatever you're doing or not doing in life, he's still smiling because he loves you as you are, not for what you're going to be. And we don't bathe in that truth every day. We bathe in shame and guilt, fear, condemnation. God loves us the way we are, not when we're doing everything right. <coughs> John 17. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. The Father loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. Say that. Say, the Father loves me, Father loves me. As, much as, he loves Jesus. as much as he loves Jesus. The Father loves me as much as Jesus. And so the journey to knowing how much the Father loves us it begins with Jesus. Mike, if you want to come on up. This journey of knowing how much the Father loves us, it begins with knowing Jesus as Savior. In fact, that's why Jesus died for us. Jesus died for us to restore us to intimacy with the Father. Amen. And once we accept the sacrifice, sacrifice that Jesus made for us, we can begin to forgive even our earthly parents. We can begin to forgive others and continue in our healing and freedom. Because God's gift of love is that. It's a gift. It's free. It's not a reward. Oh, you made it to church. Thank goodness. Here's your salvation. All we have to do is to receive his love. And I know there are probably some in here today who you're far away from the Father's love. You haven't thought much about God or you've been hiding from Him for a very long time. You feel racked with shame, guilt. Today is going to be a very special day for us. It is, today is that moment where we get to come home to the Father. 
as a person who maybe hasn't known God or even accepted Jesus as Savior, today is the day that you can change that. I would like to have the altar team come up. Whoever's on the prophetic team, if you guys would just line up right here. I want to extend an invitation this morning. If you're here and you have never, ever accepted Jesus as Savior, and you have never turned over the control of your life to Him, today is that day. This is that moment. Right here, right now, is that opportunity. Or maybe you're here and a long time ago you said yes to Jesus, but you've been saying no a whole lot in your recent days. The Father is standing and He's saying, my arms are wide open. I want you to come home today. So if you are here today, Mike's going to sing a song, and as he sings that song, if you're here and you need to be saved and you need to turn over control of your life, I want you to come down and see one of these people. If you've been saved but you've walked away and you're ready to make a recommitment, I want you to come down. And if maybe you're just struggling to feel the love of the Father, I want you to come down. And then when we're done, we're going to pray a prayer together. So go ahead, Mike, and sing. And if you want to come down, I want you to get up out of your seat right now and come down to see one of these people. If you want the Father's love deeper in your life, you want Jesus as Savior. on get out of your seat come down get some prayer give your heart to Jesus recommit your life now is the time now is the time do it now just reach your hand to these up here in the front just pray pray for these right now just release the father's love God we release the father's love in this house today God for those who need a deeper revelation, God, we lift our hands and we ask you, God, to give us a deeper understanding, a deeper revelation of love, God, that we would be comfortable and at home with love, God. We want to be in full embracement of your love, God. We want to understand it, God. We pray that you would help us today, Lord Jesus, that you would, Father, pour down on us Give us a breakthrough of, of the Father's love, God. You said this was a year where prodigals would come home. God, we declare prodigals coming home in the name of Jesus.
We declare sons and daughters to be raised up and to return home to the Father's house. We declare that new sons and daughters will be born in this house and in our families, God, in Jesus' name. Come on, make that your declaration, Abba. Okay, so I have a prayer I want us all to pray. Let's just pause for a moment on the prayer line because I want everybody to, to, to pray this prayer together and then we'll pick up some more prayer here. If you would, put that slide back up there for the healing prayer. I know it's kind of small. But this is a, a, a prayer I want just all of us to pray together with our voices. We'll just pray it together as we pray. So, everybody ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. <clears throat> Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe that I have been created for love, to experience your healing love, and to share that love in my relationships with others. It's not enough to have success in my life or in my ministry if I don't have a relationship built upon express love with you or with my spouse and family. I renounce the lie that I am not a lover, that I cannot open up my emotions or allow myself to be hurt again. Instead, I ask you to wrap your arms around me, to comfort me in those areas of hurt and pain, and to fill me up so that I can, in turn, share your love with those around me. I choose to love my family as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. I make a commitment to ask myself daily, Father, how can I receive your love and then give it away to the next person I meet? I want to live my life as an expression of your love, no longer focusing on my own worldly success, but allowing your character to shine through me to others. I choose to submit to your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, one more thing before we keep the prayer thing going, if you need more prayer up here. Here's your action plan this week. So I need you to get your phone out, take a picture of this. Our action plan for this week is I want us to get together with our families, our friends. Ask yourself these questions. How comfortable do you think you are with love? And then explain. Number two. Where are some areas in your life that indicate that you may not be comfortable with love, such as depression, numbness, lack of intimacy with others, fear, whatever. Explain that. And then question three, what is standing between you and the Father? So when you come together as a family around the dinner table, I want you to ask these questions. And I know fathers, men, husbands, dads, 
I know I was hard on us, but you don't get to go home and have a pity party and say, well, I guess I'm not a good lover because Tom said work doesn't count. <laughs> no pity parties, just honesty. But ask your children these questions. Ask your spouse this question. Ask and come to terms with the truth so that healing can happen. And then finally, everyone in your bulletin, there is a prayer in there that I put in there. And it is a prayer of release from our earthly father's home. I want you to take that prayer home and in your quiet time this week, I want you to spend some time with the Lord and pray through that prayer. I realize not everything in that prayer will apply to everyone. I know some had great dads and not everything is going to apply. I promise you, you're going to have an emotional encounter with the Lord. As you forgive your dads and as you release them from the things that happen in your life, something will transpire. So take the action plan home and pray the prayer of release from your earthly father's home. All right, so let's pray. And then if anyone needs to come up for more prayer, you can do that now, even as I'm praying. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just seal this time. We seal this place, God. We seal our hearts with your love, Father. And this week, God, we will go forth. We will do the action plan. We will talk about your love at the dinner table with our family. We'll talk it over with friends at work. Wherever, God, we will declare your love over one another and we will walk into love this year. And so, Father, today we release your love to come over our hearts that we would take your love home to the restaurant, to the home, wherever we go, God. In the name of Jesus, God, send us the Father's love, a revelation of the Father's love this week that we would rest in him. We're not working for this revelation, church. Do you hear me? We're not going to work for this. We're going to receive it. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen.